and welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. A few days ago, we interviewed Kevin Bowden. Kevin is with the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And our conversation centered around the Romica family. This association has been defending the Romica family really since they since they came to America. Um, I guess ultimately not all of their representation of the family has been in the form of defense. I mean, they helped them go through the asylum-seeking process, but uh, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association has been involved with this family from the beginning, and it's uh, it's an association that we like a lot around here. Uh, they are committed to well, they're just committed to, to, to homeschooling in, in general and really helping families navigate through what homeschooling might might look like for them. They posted an article a, a couple of days ago called Trust the Parents. Harvard Panel Echoes Principles of Homeschooling Success. In the article, they, uh, they quote Darren Jones. He's the director of their group services over there. And the the article was intriguing to me because you know how we feel about Harvard. Uh, we, matter of fact, we've renamed them Woke Harvard. And so obviously we're, we're surprised when uh, Harvard is going to put a panel together that's going to talk about the success of homeschooling. And it caught our attention. Uh, it, it starts out by saying a rise in innovative schooling is under the microscope. Of course, we know that that's true from parent-operated co-ops to micro schools and classical academies. So obviously, homeschooling is on the rise. Uh, what they are referring to as micro schools or hybrid schools, these are on the rise. And and we interviewed uh, Hutz Hertzberg from the uh, classical uh, or or not classical, I'm, I'm thinking it, Turning Point Academy. Hutz is with Turning Point Academy. And uh, Turning Point Academy is an association of classical schools. And Turning Point Academy really has a model that promotes the, the hybrid school. I guess what this article would refer to as micro schools. And of course, classical schools are on the rise. The Association of Classical Christian Schools has been in the news recently just simply because of the amount of schools that are joining the association. And my school is one of those schools that has joined since since 2020. And we have watched uh, the the numbers and, and membership of classical schools joining the association uh, since 2020 just just explode. Hmm. And, you know, so the article starts out by talking about the rise in innovative schooling. And, and I guess these three are what we would refer to as innovative schooling, homeschooling, micro schools, and classical schools. I, I don't know that classical schools would be considered innovative schooling. Um, classical schools are, are what education used to be in America. Uh, you know, we used to educate classically. We didn't call it classically. Um, you know, we just called it education. And uh, it, it included morality. It included religion. It included a proper context of history. 
It included Latin. It included great books. And, you know, when the progressives took over education, all of that stuff went out the window. Latin, why do we need to learn a dead language? Great books? Ah, let's not read great great books. Let's let's read books that now they say they really uh, create a conversation on complex topics. You know, if you're in Oregon, then your your great books would probably include something about pornography. Oh, Dean, how dare you say that about Oregon? Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, you know, the, the progressives don't want anything to do with a classical education, but I don't know that I would call classical innovative. And I, I'm not trying to split hairs here. I'm just, yeah, it, to me, it's just it's just normal education. It's normal schooling. I wouldn't... I wouldn't call homeschooling innovative. Uh, I just, to me, that's just, uh, it's normal schooling. Okay. Maybe this is what Harvard thinks of education. Maybe they think homeschooling is innovative uh, or classical schools are innovative. Um, yeah, no, we just want to teach our kids. That's all. We just want to give our kids uh, a proper education. That's all we're going for here, Harvard. Many of the principles the Homeschool Legal Defense Association has championed over 40 years as they work to secure freedom for parents to craft education programs specific to the needs and interests of their children are now being echoed by advocates campaigning for this wide range of new education programs. And lo and behold, that this would actually be happening at Woke Harvard. To delve deeper into this topic, HSLDA's Darren Jones, Director of Group Services, recently attended a Harvard University symposium examining just how, in the words of the organizers, these, quote, emerging models are moving into the mainstream. Homeschoolers are right smack in the middle of these emerging models, Darren Jones said. I talk with a lot of parents and leaders who want to know if they can take advantage of these trends to provide new services and opportunities to homeschooling families. Not everything they propose will work within the homeschooling context, but it is exciting to hear ideas from folks who are passionate about helping children thrive. In some states, lawmakers are encouraging innovative schooling through legislation that expands educational options. So I guess everybody refers to homeschooling as innovative. I don't know. It just feels normal to me. All right. Of primary interest to Jones at the Harvard event was a panel discussing developing options for homeschoolers to participate in groups and services outside the home. Panelist Bernita Bradley described how the homeschool co-op she founded in Detroit in 2020 operates solely on private grants. Part of the reason for this is that she doesn't want to risk her organization being forced to emulate some of the public school practices she has observed that can be harmful to Black students. Bernita said that much of her efforts involve coaching and encouraging families, helping instill them instill in them a love of learning as well as confidence that they can direct their own educational journey. She sees her mission as training parents to homeschool their own children. To bolster this effort, 
the co-op operates a building where parents and students can engage in all sorts of educational activities while feeling safe and empowered. We started with a pilot of 12 families, Bernita said. Since then, we're just organically growing. The co-op now serves 120 families, and this is happening in Detroit. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, for people such as Bernita, the freedom homeschooling provides means crafting programs that do not look like public schools, which she sees as rigid and authoritarian. Traditional education does not work for our children, she said. And in a lot of places, it doesn't. So homeschooling just might be the answer. This growth reflects the surge in Black families who have switched to homeschooling, the article says. According to a CNN report, reasons that Black parents cite for this trend include wanting more control over what their children are taught and how they are treated. Uh, I, I mean, that seems to me that it would be for, for all children, black or white. I, I think that in, in large part, they want to homeschool because they are concerned over what their kids are taught and how their kids are treated. That, uh, that I don't think is, um, you know, is, is limited to just to, to one race. Panelist Emily Hill operates a collaborative classical nature academy in which Colorado homeschoolers may participate. Her program teaches from a Christian perspective because most of the families involved in her school place a high value on successfully transmitting their religious beliefs to their children. All right. So we have talked about Colorado quite a bit. Uh, I guess if you live in Colorado, you might want to look up Emily Hill. And you might want to look up the Classical Nature Academy. Um, it sounds like maybe uh, this might be an option for you families who, who need to get out of the Colorado public schools. And it's probably all of you, all of you that live in Colorado that have children. I would think all of you need to have a mass exit, a mass exodus from the Colorado public schools. This observation echoes a recent Washington Post poll of homeschoolers. The observation of, of a Christian perspective, it looks like. Uh, most of the families involved in Emily Hill's school place a high value on successfully transmitting their religious beliefs. All right. So this observation echoes a recent Washington Post poll of homeschoolers. Though the survey showed that providing religious instruction has moved down the list of reasons parents cite for homeschooling, providing moral instruction did rate as the second highest motivation. Well, well, well. What do you think about that? Morality. Having an education centered on morality was the number two reason that parents said we're going to homeschool. The number two reason that parents said we're going to homeschool. In Emily's experience, the basis for the morals that parents adhere to is usually a faith tradition. And this sort of religious instruction is just not possible in public schools. Well, well, well. So after all, the 
majority of American parents, at least those that choose to homeschool, do agree with the founding fathers when they said uh, religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and uh, the freedom of society, uh, education, uh, schools and means of education shall always be encouraged. We've got to have morality in our schools. Got to have it. And so these parents have, have pulled out because morality doesn't exist. It, uh, I mean, it exists to some degree, I'm sure, in some schools. All right, I don't mean to paint with a broad brush. Public schools, there's no morality. I mean, there's probably some, but in a lot of these public schools, there isn't any. In a lot of them, there isn't any. And so parents are, they're just, you know what? They're just saying, we're going to do this on our own. Uh, and and they're not necessarily citing, you know, if, that they want to talk about religion. That's moved down the list, according to the Washington Post poll. But what is number two is morality. Let's look at the poll. Now, again, this is Washington Post, so I'm not really sure what to expect here. You know, the Washington Post is extremely left. Uh, the article is entitled, Homeschooling Today is Less Religious and More Diverse. That's what the poll finds. Fear of school shootings, bullying, and indoctrination helped fuel a pandemic-era boom in homeschooling, according to an exclusive Washington Post school survey. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. A pandemic-era boom has fundamentally changed the face of American homeschooling transforming a group that has for decades been dominated by conservative Christians into one that is more racially and ideologically diverse. Wait, um, are, are you saying conservative Christians are all, uh, are just white? Because I have, you know, I have black friends who are conservative Christians. I, I don't understand this. But again, we are reading this from the Washington Post, a left-wing news organization that probably wants to uh, turn race into an issue no matter what. Rather than religion, homeschoolers today are likely to be motivated by fear of school shootings, anxiety over bullying, and anger with perceived encroachment of politics into public schools. Yet even among those who voice such concerns, many do not share the deep-seated opposition to public education. That, de that defined homeschoolers of past decades. And the new crop is more likely to mix and match homeschooling with public school, depending on their children's needs. All right. I mean, that's that, that's that's probably true. Um, okay. The survey, the first of its kind since the pandemic, spurred hundreds of thousands of families to try homeschooling, offers the clearest reasons to date for its explosive growth documenting shifts with broad implications for the future of U.S. education. I wonder what those broad implications are. What do you think they are? What do you think the rise in homeschooling says to the broader implications for the future of U.S. education? Well, if more students are homeschooled, I can tell you the future of U.S. education looks bright. It looks bright. We're going to start uh, having some smart kids that, you know, now, 
the implications for the future of U.S. public education is probably not that bright. Probably not that great if we if there's a a sudden boom, a sudden increase, rise in in homeschooling. Yeah. The poll's findings suggest that American homeschooling is evolving from a movement into a practice. What? I don't. It's evolving from a movement into a practice. What does that even mean? How, no longer driven by shared ideology and political goals, but by circumstances specific to individual families. Oh, what? No, you just told us in the you just told us in the previous paragraph that people wanted to homeschool because they were quote angry with the perceived encroachment of politics into public schools. And now you're telling us that it's evolving from a movement into a practice no longer driven by shared ideology and political goals. Um, all right, the Washington Post here in this article, they just contradict themselves. And I'm not even sure what this paragraph means, that it's evolving from a movement into a practice not driven by political goals, yet they told us people are leaving the public schools because of a perceived encroachment uh, of politics. Uh, the Washington Post. Just, you know, this is why I don't read the Washington Post. I'm interested in the poll, but their editorial is just, um, their editorial comments are, yeah, I don't even know why we bother with them. All right, we're up against the clock. Let's pick up this poll on the other side of the break. You are listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. 
Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot on AmericaOutloud.news. We are happy to have you joining us today. Before we get back to this article, let's just let's just pause for a minute and let's just take a quick history break because uh, November 6th is the day in in the glorious year of 1860 that President Lincoln was elected. This was the day really that American voters decided to change the course of the country. Um, and you know, it's a day that we don't really celebrate. You know, we celebrate his birthday. But uh, November 6th is a big deal. Uh, it was, you know, Lincoln was running against actually three other people, uh, Democrat Stephen Douglas, Southern Democrat John Breckinridge, and then the Constitutional Union candidate John Bell. Uh, but it was the electoral split between the Northern and Southern Democrats, which really uh, was emblematic of the of the split over slavery. Uh, John Breckinridge, the Southern Democrat, supported the federal slave code in the territories, and he supported popular sovereignty. So the, the federal slave code would protect the interest of the slaveholders in the territories. Southern Democrat was for that. He wanted to protect the interests of the slaveholders. Uh, popular sovereignty allowed states to choose as they entered the union if they would be a free or a slave state. And the Southern Democrat also supported that. The Northern Democrat, Stephen Douglas, he opposed the federal slave code in the territories. He didn't, he opposed protecting the interest of slaveholders. But he did support popular sovereignty. He said, yeah, states should be allowed. If they want to come in as a slave state, let them. Uh, John Bell, you know, he was in a uh, he wanted to avoid the issue altogether. He just he wanted to stick his head in the sand. But it was Lincoln who who drew a line in the sand and said, "This is this is where it stops." It was the Republican. It was Lincoln, the Republican, who wanted to prohibit slavery in the territories. Uh, he didn't want uh, new states to come in. He, you know, he uh, he wasn't interested in. Um, in the uh, in protecting the interests of the slaveholders, he didn't want new states to be slave states, uh, and he was the Republican. And the Democrats were, eh, you know, I mean, you know, you know, the Southern Democrat was like, yeah, yeah, slavery across the board. The Northern Democrat, um, you know, felt like states should be allowed to enter as slave states if they wanted to. Uh, but today we celebrate the election of Lincoln, and it's because of the election of Lincoln, ultimately, that uh, slavery became no more. Oh, man, we, uh, we owe Lincoln a debt. We owe him a debt of gratitude. All right, uh, so November 6th, that's, uh, that is our moment in history today. Let's get back to this Washington T Times poll. Washington Post. Oh, this is the Washington Post. Yeah, Washington Post, WAPO. Uh, so 
the, the this poll is um, you know discussing really the rise in in homeschooling and why why are people all of a sudden since 2020 wanting to homeschool why are we seeing this this increase uh, of course the the post is is offering contradictory editorial comments versus what the polls are actually saying uh, according to the poll parents are leaving because of a perceived encroachment of politics in public schools but according to the the paper's editorial comment um you know it's not because of any shared ideology and political goals uh no it's 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 not because of that in a 2012 federal survey nearly two in three homeschool parents listed a desire to provide religious instruction as a reason for homeschooling. That dropped to about half of parents in 2016 and a small majority in 2019. Now the share has fallen much further. The poll finds that it's dropped to 34%. Those who homeschooled before the pandemic are twice as likely to name providing religious instruction as those who began after. So since the pandemic, the the parents who are homeschooling uh, are not citing religious reasons as to why they're homeschooling. Before the pandemic, parents you know said we're going to homeschool, and and sixty six percent of them said we're homeschooling because of religion. Now it's almost flipped; sixty six percent of them are homeschooling for other reasons. But if one of those reasons is a perceived encroachment of politics into public schools, then um, I think we could say that morality is now replacing religion, which I'm perfectly fine with. I, I think there needs to be morality. I think the kids need to be taught morality. And if parents are are perceiving the encroachment of politics in, into public schools, it's it's very well probable that one of their main reasons to homeschool is to teach their kids morality, morality over religion. This is very interesting. These trends are powered by people like Elizabeth Hotterd, a veterinarian from Folsom, Louisiana. She never considered homeschooling before the pandemic. But remote learning during the school shutdowns went better than expected, and her family decided to keep her children, now ages 10 and 5, at home. The family attends a Baptist church, but Hot Turd has no desire to mix religious instruction into her children's coursework. We're going to talk about the Bible, and we're going to talk about religion, she said, but I don't need it to be in your reading lesson. I don't need it to be in your math lesson. I mean, okay, but you're still talking about the Bible. Uh, you know, that's still a desire. That's still Hotter's desire. I mean, you know, she wants to teach her kids the Bible. You know, of course, Wapo was saying she's not going to mix religious instruction into her children's coursework because she's not going to include it in reading lessons or math lessons. Therefore, she does not want religion as part of her homeschool. She just said she was going to talk about the Bible. You know, the Washington Post, they'll, they'll do anything to, to give it a liberal bent. 
Pundits, policymakers, and journalists have speculated about families' motivations ever since the number of homeschooled children began to rise dramatically at the start of the pandemic. But that guessing game has largely taken place in a vacuum of credible data. The federal government's last survey of homeschool parents was 2019. All right, but you know why. Okay, all right, so there hasn't been any credible data because the last survey was 2019, but we all know why. Uh, we, the parents saw what was happening when uh, when in March of, of 2020, their kids came home and actually had school from home. Parents watched it unfold. And parents yeah, were like, what? What in the world is going on in my child's public school? That this is what's happening? Now, some of those parents probably realized, hey, this is working out pretty good at home. Let's just keep them at home. But a lot of them realized the filth and the garbage that was happening in the in the actual school. We all know it to be true. Okay, granted, there isn't a survey, uh, you know, uh, until this one, until this survey, and and this very survey cited one of the reasons as the perceived encroachment of politics into public schools. That was one of the reasons. Uh huh. So now we know. The poll finds a group with a new blend of motivations and identities. Specifically, the survey finds that families who began homeschooling after the onset of the pandemic are uh, more racially diverse, more ideologically diverse, and more open to public schooling. Okay. Uh, In 2019, the federal survey found that about three-quarters of homeschoolers were white. In this recent post-Washington Post survey conducted in the summer using a different methodology, just under half are white, with the change driven by a jump in homeschooling among Hispanic families. They are more ideologically diverse. Families who began homeschooling since the start of the pandemic are about evenly divided between Republicans and Democrats, whereas previously Republicans outnumbered the Democrats three to one. Oh, this does not bode well for the Democrat Party. Uh Uh-uh. So before the pandemic, uh, Republican families who homeschooled outnumbered homeschooling Democrat families by a rate of three to one. Okay. But now since the, since the pandemic, it's even, it's evenly divided between Republicans and Democrats, which means there are more Democrat families leaving the public schools. Now I've been telling you this, mm, I've been telling you this for weeks that the, 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 the people who are Democrats, who are not part of the leadership, but just, you know, rank and file Democrats, normal everyday people, you know, just out working, uh, trying to raise their family, but they tend to vote Democrats. Those people are not happy with their Democrat leadership. They can't be. I mean, they, they have morals. They go to church, but yet they see what's being hammered down the throats of their kids in public schools. This does not bode well for the Democrat Party. I don't see how it can. 
when when it was three to one Republican before the pandemic. But now since the pandemic, it is dead even. 50-50 split. An even number of Democrats who are homeschooling uh, right alongside of, of Republicans. Nonetheless, the article says, homeschooling parents as a whole still lean more conservative and religious than the general population, with about one in three saying the Bible is the literal word of God. 46% saying liberal influence on public schools is a reason they homeschool. Almost half of the homeschoolers said the reason they do it is because of the liberal influence in public schools. This, oh boy, this does not bode well for the Democrats. Uh uh-uh. uh, it just, I don't see how, I don't see how it does. Uh, I'm telling you, the Democrats, with, with these kinds of numbers, how can they win at the ballot box without cheating? Uh, that is a legitimate question. I don't know how they can win at the ballot box without cheating. Dean, are you saying the Democrats cheat? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Are you saying they they stole the 2020 election? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. They stole the 2020 election. Now, I didn't mean for this conversation to go here, but we are seeing report after report after report over the last couple of days, just this past week, of, of Democrat, Democrat races where there's cheating going on. Uh, there was a, a mayoral uh, a mayor race a couple of days ago, and the judge said, "No, nah, we got to do this over because of all this cheating that's that's happening." And it's happening on the Democrat side. I'm not saying the Republicans don't cheat. You know, if they're human, they're probably you know there's there's cheating, but it happens a lot with the Democrats because they are unable to to win at the ballot box because their values are not winnable. I mean, Bill Maher said it the other day. He, he was imploring the Democrats, are you sure you want these as your values? Are you sure you want to align yourself with the values of Hamas? Dear Democrats, is this truly what you want to do? Is this truly where you want to take this, this discussion? And, and they do. Their their values cannot win at the ballot box. Actually, I saw, I read an article the other day, oh, I wish I had it in front of me, where there are, are Democrats in Congress in the House that are becoming more vocal uh, against this extreme progressive left wing of the Democrat Party, which they say is completely taking it over. Oh, I wish I had that in front of me. I'm going to have to look that up during the break. Again, I didn't mean the conversation to go here, but it, it's just kind of, uh, I guess, flowing naturally. It's just where my thoughts are taking us. Can you tell what I've been thinking about as of late? Huh? Is it is it evident? Is it is it just is it that obvious where right? it just kind of spills out, just kind of pours out in everyday normal conversation? Hey, I'm telling you, it's true. Democrats can't win at the ballot box. And there are Democrats in Congress that are beginning to realize this. And they are begging these, these leftists, these Marxists in, in, in the halls of Congress to just stop talking. Just stop. Just, just be quiet. Just for a minute. We beg it of you. Oh, because we're entering into the, the full-blown election cycle, kids. Uh, I mean, tomorrow, tomorrow's election day in many places. We're in the cycle. 
we are and we're gonna we're entering you know into to 2024 and we have ourselves a presidential run coming up here so yeah it's it's about to unfold 46 percent of homeschool families say liberal influence on public schools is a reason they homeschool that is a number that if if homeschooling continues to climb and if this is one of the reasons that's a number that the Democrats, and if it's 50-50 between Democrats and Republicans, I don't see how the Democrats overcome this. And we know homeschooling is on the rise. I mean, we were, you know, last week we were talking about Oregon. And in the article I was reading, I, uh, uh, I forget the woman's name. Her last name was Ball. And her son came home as a freshman from the Eugene, Oregon high school there, Churchill, I think, came home as a freshman with a book. He was assigned a novel. And within the first five pages, um, you know, the main character gets turned on because he's, you know, being beat up by bullies and he and he gets an erection because of it. That within the first five pages, that's that's the the main character. Those are the books that are being read in public schools. And she was like, nope, uh-uh, he's coming home. And uh, how was that? You know, that's her sending her, bringing her son home to homeschool because of a liberal influence in the public schools. Because our parents don't want it. We absolutely don't want it. And we're tired of it being rammed down the throats of our kids. We just want our kids taught normal stuff. <laughs> All right, let's pick this conversation up on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Changing the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. And we left the break, or just before the break, I uh, had read to you that 46% of homeschool families said that liberal influences on public schools is a reason they homeschool. And I had commented that, or, or read here in the poll, that previous to COVID, Previous to the pandemic, homeschoolers were Republican on a three-to-one ratio, Republican over Democrat. Since COVID, since the pandemic, it's an even split. And I had made the statement that this does not bode well for the Democrats. And I said that it's because the Democrats, it doesn't bode well for them uh, because they're the values that they support are not winning values at the ballot box. They're not. And I made the statement that Democrats cannot win at the ballot box unless there's cheating. Now, I I know that's just, uh, it's not that way 100%. I can't say Democrats can't win unless there's cheating. Now, because, you know, some Democrats do win legitimately. Um, But a lot of times you have to admit it. You know it's true. That if a Democrat's going to win, it's got to be cheating. Well, in this case, this uh, this I did find the article that I was thinking of, and this is a Democrat primary. So you have Democrat on Democrat crime and a Democrat primary. A judge has ruled that a Democrat mayoral primary in Connecticut be held again after surveillance videos emerged that captured a city official and former city councilwoman appearing to place numerous ballots into a drop box in a way that violated state election law. Uh, so this is in a primary. And this Democrat's just like, ah, oh, I gotta win this primary. I just I gotta I gotta I gotta cheat. Superior Court Judge William F. Clark ordered the new primary after Bridgeport incumbent Democrat Mayor Joe Gannon won a narrow victory over challenger John Gomes last month. Gomes, who only lost by 251 votes after 81,873 votes were cast, sued city clerk Charles Clemens Jr., alleging election fraud. Clark ruled, this is the judge, Superior Court Judge Clark ruled that footage showed city employee Wanda Geeter Pataki and former councilwoman Anita Martinez broke the law when they, quote, mishandled ballots. And this is what the judge writes. Therefore, the counting of any ballots that were mishandled in violation of state law and placed into drop boxes by Ms. Geeter Pataki, Ms. Martinez, Martinez, and others, was a mistake in the vote count. Given the volume of votes at issue, the miscounting of those statutorily invalid votes leaves this court unable to determine the result of the primary. This is what the judge wrote last Wednesday. The judge said that Geeter Pataki actively dropped numerous ballots into the box herself, sometimes very early in the morning or late at night. He also pointed to footage that appeared to show her handling stacks of ballots and escorting people to drop off multiple ballots. These instances do not appear to be random, he said. They appear to be 
conscious acts with a partisan purpose that violates the mandatory requirements of how absentee ballots are supposed to be handled or delivered. Uh, Gator Pataki and Martinez pointed to their Fifth Amendment rights when asked about some of their actions during testimony last month. The volume of evidence in this case, including the many hundreds of hours of video surveillance disclosed and accepted into evidence, is perhaps unprecedented in the state of Connecticut in an election case, the judge said, who added that the videos were shocking. A victory for the people of Bridgeport. Yet, um, you know, Dinesh D'Souza uh, has... Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of video footage from 2020. But the mainstream media will say, yeah, there's nothing to see here. You know, other people will say, hey, you're an election denier. You know, that's what they said about um, Mike Johnson. I played the clips for you nationally. Uh, this uh, uh, this is happening all over the nation where local news stations are all repeating the same mantra. Mike Johnson, election denier, election denier, election denier, election denier. Yeah, this is this is the, you know, this is the mantra that they would now say against him. But what we're seeing unfold here in Connecticut is exactly what we've seen on a grand scale from 2020. Yet we have a media that refuses to even look into it. We have the judges on the Supreme Court and elsewhere that will not look into it. They just they they just want to look away. Oh, what's this over here? Oh, that squirrel over there. I want I want to go. You know, I I want to go over here where that squirrel's playing. How did I get off on this? I, I was I was talking about the rise in homeschooling, and I just dramatically uh, I dramatically shifted. I have this other article here that I found. I told you I was going to find articles on the break. Big mistake, Dean. Big mistake. And I, so I had mentioned that there are some Democrats in Congress that are complaining about these, these Marxist progressives also in Congress because the, you know, the more moderate Democrats are like, will you guys just zip it? Will you please stop talking? We are not going to win if you don't stop talking. So this article says rank and file Democrats continue to fill the leadership vacuum against the members of the radical left, chiefly Representative Rashida Tlaib, Democrat Michigan, who they say are guilty of choosing the party line of terrorists in the face of atrocities committed against Israel, with one calling it, quote, a battle for the soul of the party. So one of the uh, one of the Democrats in Congress are saying we we Democrats, we are in a battle for the soul of our party. And it's true really from, from top down when you have uh, a 50-50 split now between Democrats and Republicans of just normal everyday families who are choosing to homeschool. And 40, 46% of, of those homeschool families are saying the reason they're pulling their kids from public schools is because of the liberal influence in those public schools. This does not bode well for the Democrats. And they realize they are in a battle for the soul of their party. The refusal of 50, this article continues, the refusal of 15 Democrats to condemn the massacre committed against Israel threatens to tear the Democrat party apart at the seams. A handful of Democrats told the Wall Street Journal, 
All the while, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries remained silent. He's like, oh, will this please go away? Uh Uh-uh. Sorry, Hakeem. It's not going away, and you're going to have to deal with it. Fifteen progressives either voted against or, quote, present last week for a resolution condemning Hamas. One of the first things the House did under the direction of new Speaker Mike Johnson. Uh, See, it's why we like him. It's one of the reasons why we like him. He just said, hey, let's, let's have a vote condemning this. Let's have a vote condemning Hamas. And 15 Democrats either voted against it or just voted present. Representative Josh Gottheimer, a Democrat for New Jersey, called the 15 Democrats despicable. Last night, 15 of my Democratic colleagues voted against standing with our ally Israel and condemning Hamas terrorists who brutally murdered, raped, and kidnapped babies, children, men, and women, and elderly, including Americans. They are despicable and do not speak for our party. Oh, boy, there's a civil war in the Democrat Party. Representative Brad Schneider, the Democrat from Illinois, told the Wall Street Journal, he is, quote, incredibly disappointed that there continue to be holdouts among members of his own party who not only haven't been able to condemn the horrific terror attack on Israel, but have celebrated it and called it resistance. Yeah, that was Tlaib. Yeah, she celebrated it and she called it resistance. Hmm. Our progressives who refuse to walk back their comments over events that have proved to be false, namely that Israel bombed the hospital in Gaza that allegedly killed 500 Palestinians, Talib continues her refusal to retract blame of Israel. Schneider told the Wall Street Journal, this is the Democrat from Illinois, she spread a claim by Hamas that is not true, that has led to threats to American military personnel and diplomats around the world. And she continues to throw gasoline on that fire. It's important that all of us call out evil. We may have differences of opinion, but we don't get to have our own facts. This is a Democrat telling another Democrat this. Oh, they know they're in trouble. Oh, boy. Even Representative Richie Torres, the Democrat from New York, himself a progressive, recently sparred with squad member Ilan Omar over social media. Omar is another who refuses to call out Hamas's massacre of civilians. Torres said, I do worry that young people are increasingly indoctrinated with an ideology, an anti-Israel hatred that is so virulent that it renders them indifferent to the cold-blooded murder of Israeli civilians and children. Maryland State Democrat Joe Vogel, running for the open seat to be vacated by Representative David Trone's Senate run, called it, quote, a battle for the soul of our party. It shouldn't be that hard to condemn the murder of innocent women and children and seniors, yet many have either said nothing or equivocated. We have a serious problem in our party right now. We are in a battle for the soul of our party. So, um, you know, it's uh, the Democrats see it. They understand. <laughs> they uh, they know what's happening. And it, it doesn't bode well for them in just 
mainstream America, just everyday citizens who 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 vote Democrat. That doesn't bode well for the party because everyday Democrats just out there just wanting to live their lives and be normal, see what's happening. And they see their party is turning into a party of Marxists. Um, and there's no other way to say it. There is just no other way to say it. All right. Uh, wow. I apologize for that. Uh, that rabbit trail rant that just just kind of came out of nowhere. But sometimes that's the way it happens. You just sometimes you just have to get stuff off your chest. OK, back to the article. Nearly seven in ten. Oh, boy. Oh, oh what I'm about to read to you. Mm, listen to this. Nearly seven in 10 parents say a desire to provide, quote, moral instruction, end quote, is among their reasons for homeschooling. Seven in 10, 70 percent. Oh, man, this you cannot tell me this bodes well for the Democrats. All right, here we go. We're going right back down this rabbit hole. I, I just. 70 percent of parents say that they want to provide moral instruction. But yet, you know, earlier here, the the WAPO, the Washington Post, was saying it's not for religious reasons. Parents don't want to homeschool for religious reasons. No, it's it's because of uh, of too much political, uh, what they say here, too much uh, perceived encroachment. I got to go back to my voice. Perceived encroachment of politics into public schools. Yeah, you know what that you know what that perceived encroachment of politics is? It's immorality. It's it's immorality. 70%. That's a high number, kids. 70% is a high number. 70% of homeschoolers, of, of homeschooling parents, say a desire to provide moral instruction is among their reasons for homeschooling. No, this does not bode well for the Democrat Party. This is uh, this is what it's what we want. We just we want some moral instruction. Look, we're not trying to ram religion down the throats of of your kids. All right. It's not that we're trying to, in the words of Jake Tapper, proselytize over there in that in that parish in Louisiana. They're going to proselytize all those kids and make them pray in schools and make them read the Bible. They're horrible. They're going to ramrod Christianity down their throats. No, no, it, but it's about morality. We want our kids taught to be, to be moral. We want a moral society. All right. You, you know, what's moral, what's moral is walking in to uh, the drugstore or walking into the mom and pop party store at the corner and not stealing a candy. That's moral. Um, what's moral is is walking in to a clothing store in San Francisco and taking a, a shirt off the rack and going to the counter and paying for it. What's immoral is is walking in to that store, grabbing fifty seven shirts off the rack and shoving them into your cart and then wheeling the cart right out the door. That is immoral because it's stealing. It's thievery. 
we want to teach our kids morality, that we, we want to teach them to do right, but they're not getting that. Uh, Dean, are you saying that if kids go to a public school, they're going to learn how to be a thief? No, uh-uh, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there, there, there is no, there's no general instruction on morality. So guess what? Uh, you know, now we have cities that are overrun by immorality. Can you explain it to me any other way? I mean, I'm listening. I, I am. I'm open. I'm, uh, I'll hear you out. Um, I just, uh, you know, seven out of ten parents cite uh, that that they want to provide moral instruction to their kids, and that's why they're they're yanking them from the public schools, and that's why they're teaching them themselves around the kitchen table. Uh, which to me says it says it all. I you know I am not even anywhere near this poll. Okay, I may have to pick this up tomorrow. We may have to have part two of the homeschooling poll tomorrow because I've only got a couple minutes left. You know, I'm going to blame it on that rabbit trail. Duh. But it's true. This, uh, you know, Jefferson was right. Benjamin Rush was right when they said it's, we want, Benjamin Rush put it this way. He said, if you have morality in schools, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, and you and you teach kids right and wrong, then you're not going to be spending a lot of time uh, correcting them in prison. You're not going to spend a lot of, of money, you know, housing prisons. You're not going to be worrying about a prison system if you teach them right and wrong at the onset, if you teach them morality in the beginning. Yes, Jake Tapper, we want to teach our kids morality. Um and we can do that. We don't have to have a, a, a national religion. We don't have to shove Christianity down people's throats. We can still teach our kids morality. Our sons and daughters uh, need to learn right from wrong. All right. Uh, thank you for joining me today. We will pick this up tomorrow because we are not done. We are nowhere near done. Thanks for listening. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.